You don't need special gadgets to be a hero. With unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, the Capital One Quicksilver card makes you the hero of every purchase. Whether it's headphones, a lounge chair, or even a well-deserved massage, whatever the Quicksilver purchase, you're the hero. No fighting bad guys, getting in epic car chases, or parachuting out of buildings required. Simple, isn't it? The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Uh, with me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, you put us together, rub us in lube, you got yourself Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> You have a lawsuit on your hands. But yeah. <laughs> From you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm suing you, somebody. How you doing, man? Oh, I got a speeding ticket on the way here. I'm pissed off. Okay. Well, everything of the last 15 minutes before we started recording is now explained. No. We talked about regular stuff. That didn't influence my, my feelings about this. No, but you're <laughs> still like, you had a burr in your bonnet. Well, for that cop. Yeah. Man, those state patrol, they don't mess around. No, they don't. There's no, like, there's no small talk. There's no nothing. It's give me your license, and then here's your ticket. Right. I was like, but get, get, what? And that was about all. Anyone who refers to you in the, what, the second person is citizen? Uh Uh-huh. They're they're pretty serious people. Yeah, I'm going to go to court, though. Why not? Good for you, man. You know? We don't don't work. You never know. (laughs) Might get out of it. Yeah. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. So, aside from that... I had my condom on, so I was safe driving. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you always wear one, right? 24-7. <laughs> you can't be too careful. How often do you change it? <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Me? That is so gross. All right, uh, let's talk about Measure B. Have you heard of Measure B? Uh-uh. Uh, it is a uh, referendum that Los Angeles County floated in this last election that passed 56% of the vote. Um, it said if you're in the porn industry and you're filming, you have to wear a condom. Good. Well, it depends on who you are. If you are a um, citizen, yeah, you probably think it's good, especially if you voted in favor of it. Sure. If you're in the porn industry, though, you're like, people don't want to see that. And um, they're actually talking about moving from Los Angeles, which is a big deal. People what, don't want to see a condom in, in, a, in, in their porn? porn movies, I guess. I don't want to see any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see what's attached to the condom either. Okay. <laughs> so you wouldn't care? Uh, no, yeah, I guess so. I don't want to see any of that stuff like well, I said. Well, a- apparently there's a longstanding thing in the porn industry that's like you just don't show condoms. It's yeah. just It reflects the unnaturalness maybe of, of what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're like, well, wait a minute, that's probably not the pizza guy after all, you know? <laughs> sure. So um, It blows the illusion that that's real stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they're talking about um, about moving from Los Angeles, which is huge Los Angeles because apparently – in just Los Angeles County, porn is a billion-dollar industry. Oh, yeah, dude, in the valley. Just in one county. Can you imagine that? 
So there's a big kerfuffle going on right now over uh, condom usage in the porn industry. Did I ever tell you about the time I scouted the porn stage for a video shoot? No. Was this a... Did Kiefer Sutherland's driver take you there? No, but I was working as a PA, and we couldn't afford like a real stage, so we they sent me out to the valley of this porn stage to go videotape it and see what it looked like. And uh, <laughs> it was like a boardroom with a bed in the corner, and a candy shop with a bed, and a gymnasium locker room with a bed. <laughs> it was really gross, and I didn't want to touch anything. And uh, as I was leaving, a bunch of big muscly men came in to get their shoot on. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Was it gay porn? I uh, that afternoon it was. I oh so it's just like whatever. It, like it's a it's a sound stage. Yeah, I they, gotcha. They take all comers, huh? You know. And so uh, these two dudes walked in, and I walked out, and I don't think we ended up using the stage. I gotcha. But uh, it was funny in the conference room uh, set. There was a framed uh, like Olin Mills, or it was a painting of uh, Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson, <laughs> like at the head of the the conference room. No way. Yep. Swear to God. Wow. That's one thing about porn industry moguls. They seem to always have like a great sense of humor. Yeah, I think this is before Boogie Nights even, because oh, I didn't yeah. make that connection. It was just Burt Reynolds. Huh. That was definitely before Boogie Nights. But I mean, uh, think about Larry Flint. He's He has a great sense of humor. Yeah, he does. Um, Hugh Hefner, maybe. I think the the less hardcore you get, the less away, the further away from hardcore you get, the less the the less of a sense of humor the publisher has. I bet there's some mathematical formula in there, there somewhere. Is. Maybe we'll <laughs> we'll see it one day. Alrighty. So condoms is what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, we should say if you're young, you might want to ask your parents if you should listen to this. Oh man, you know that is a good COA. Like I think it's up to parents how they educate their children with this stuff. So uh, we have. You have been forewarned. Go put your little pod uh, player down. Go ask mom and dad, should I be listening to this? Right. We're going to be very clinical here, but it's about sex and reproduction, so can't be too careful. Right. I wonder how many uh, kids just, like, pull the cheeks over <laughs> and are like, <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. Vast majority. Okay, so um, I, let's try this again. Okay. We're talking condoms. Yep. Um, and apparently... They, th- what we think of as condom usage, normal, mm-hmm. widespread, it's talked about. There's billboards, whatever. Yeah, is actually a fairly recent phenomenon. The billboards and things. Yeah, and just the idea of like using condoms, like yeah. that's that's pretty recent. Um, it, it, from the 80s, and actually it was HIV that kind of um, spurred this condom age that we live in now. But there had been like another golden age of condoms uh, shortly after the Great War, right? That's right. Uh, venereal diseases were pretty easy to get if you were a sailor on leave in mm-hmm. Europe. Yep. And so they encouraged troops to uh, use use condoms and distributed them in the in the ranks among the ranks. And when they came back home, they kept using them. I guess they they had a big boom here in the in the nineteen what I guess forties. Yep. Post-war era. Died down in the 60s because of the pill. Exactly. And then picked back up again in the 80s because of HIV. Yeah, because we, we figured out, thanks to uh, clever things like penicillin and all that stuff, um, that most of the STDs that condoms were preventing at the time, you could just treat with antibiotics. Yeah. So people weren't too concerned with that kind of thing. And then the pill came along and it was like, we have no need for condoms whatsoever. Right. But then AIDS hit. That's right. And then condom usage started to go through the roof, which is good. Yeah. Um. But apparently condoms are an extremely old idea, at the very least, 
putting something on the uh, on over your penis, whether for recreational purposes or whatever, is at least fifteen thousand years old, right? Yeah, I think Tra- Tracy of Pop Stuff wrote this article. We should point out she's responsible for the most comprehensive podcasts we've done. Yeah, I never even think twice when I look at and see her name in the byline. I'm like, oh, well, we should totally do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, she points out that 15,000 years ago, we have found cave paintings that show images of a sheathed penis. Yes. So it's unclear whether or not these uh, garments and decorations and sheaths on the penises of Egypt and Greece and India and Japan were for uh, contraception uh, as a barrier method or adornment. I, I guarantee you they weren't probably thinking of the woman's comfort. No, especially with at all. The, uh, the kabuto gata. <laughs> yeah. The Japanese version of the penis sheath or condom was made of horn or tortoise shell. Yeah, they didn't care about the lady's pleasure. Uh, that's just mind-bogglingly painful sounding. I know. No kidding. Um, so uh, we know people started using condoms as a means to prevent pregnancy. By the Roman era, I think. Of course. It's always um, the Romans. Yeah. Any time of sexy time stuff, they were leading the way. Totally. You know? Yeah. Anybody who's seen Caligula can tell you that. <laughs> um, but then by the time uh, Shakespeare rolls around, condoms are pretty common. Yeah. If you count, you know, wrapping linen around the penis and tying it in a little bow with a ribbon at the bottom. Yeah. It's a condom back that, then. <laughs> or stuffing something into the urethra and using a drawstring um, ribbon to yeah. keep it on. That's another way that they did things. I should post um, photos of your face, yeah. pictures of your face <laughs> that I'm taking like throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, and, well, by the time Shakespeare's age, uh, people are using condoms pretty frequently. And one of the things they're using it, probably the main thing they're using it for, is to prevent syphilis. Yeah. Uh, because just like in World War II, sailors to the New World came and contracted this new disease uh-huh. that was found only in North America at the time, um, and or in, I should say the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, uh, and uh, they brought it back, and they figured out after a little while, like, well, wait a minute, I think it has to do with sex. So they started using condoms for disease prevention through that. So this is a pretty big point here, right? Like by the the age of exploration. Yeah. People understand that you can <laughs> cover the penis to prevent pregnancy and to prevent disease. Yeah. That's a huge advancement in, in society, I guess. You oh, totally. Say. They were they were on it. They still like rolled in their own feces and like sure. never washed their hands or took a bath, <laughs> but they knew how to prevent syphilis with a little something in the urethra with a drawstring attached to it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, by the mid-1700s, Tracy points out, they were starting to use... Um, Condoms made from animal membranes, yeah, uh, animal guts, basically. Which, if you, they still have these today. If you use something called cheap skin, it is not cheap skin, but it is you know cheap guts. Intestine lining. Yeah, and you could still buy those. I think they were about what, like one percent of the total sales these days. Yeah, and they recommend those only if you are like a monogamous couple that's disease free, and you're just using it to like not get pregnant. Right, because it's very thin. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's porous, I believe, enough so for pathogens to pass through. Yeah, like you don't want to use that if, to prevent getting uh, HIV. No. Not smart. No. Um, what you want to use is a rubber condom. That's right. Thank you, Charles Goodyear. Yeah, who uh, gave us not only rubber condoms, but um, tires, uh, 
rubber hoses, rubber belts. Yeah. Pretty much anything that they made of rubber, you can thank Charles Goodyear for it because of his process of vulcanization, which is he added um, sulfur and lead oxide to rubber from the uh, Hevia brasiliensis tree. Yeah, which they had been tapping that tree for a while to get this, you know, latex, this liquid rubber. Right. But, um, yeah, vulcanization is where it became uh, a thing that you could mass, you know, produce and it was safe and it was... Uh, stronger and uh, more well, elastic, right? So you know, less likely to break. But it was also key. thicker and rougher. Yeah, true. And you had to go to your doctor to be fitted for one of these condoms. The good, the good part is you could wash and reuse it. It was basically like your 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 condom. You probably yeah. wrote your name on it. I imagine if you got fitted though in the doctor's office, that would have to be with an erection, right? Yeah. You remember the little reflex hammer? Yeah, I do. What does that have to do with this? <laughs> That's how they did it. Wow. All right. So I guess back in the day, you would go to your doctor and get an erection, and he would fit you with a condom. Right. Made from vulcanized rubber. Probably a bit of a, uh investment at this time yeah. as a man. So I doubt if a lot of people were wearing them still. So, again, imagine – I this is what I imagine. It basically probably looked a lot like um, a uh, the nipple of a baby bottle. Yeah, sure. You know? I'll bet you there's somebody who collects old-timey condoms, some rich dude. Oh, yeah. Who has, like, an old-timey condom collection. Yeah, of course. Um, there's someone who collects everything old. Exactly. You know? Uh, so, by apparently people were using this. This is 1839 when Charles Goodyear came up with vulcanization. So, we're talking, like, the mid to late uh, 19th century. People are using these rubber condoms, reusable yeah. rubber condoms. And then everybody patted on the back a guy named Frederick Killian. Killian's Red Beer inventor? Uh, maybe. No? It's possible. Um, he's more famously known, however, for um, creating a, a process of making condoms directly from latex, right? Yeah. Which, again, is the sap of the rubber tree found in Brazil, West Africa now, sure. Southeast Asia now. Um, and he would take these glass molds that were, you could argue, phallic in nature. Kind of has know. to be. Yeah. You know? Uh <laughs> And the, he would dip it directly into latex. I don't think he did it with his hand like that. I'm just gesturing okay. like... Maybe initially he did. Uh, <laughs> right. So he would dip these, these molds or um, forms, uh-huh. right? Or what they're called? Formers. Formers. Yeah. Just into latex. And uh, he would then vulcanize that. And what you had was a um, thinner, stronger, um, better, I guess condom yeah thinner and stronger which is like that's what you want out of a condom because mm-hmm. you want to have the sensation intact but you want to be safe and it also had a longer shelf life and all of a sudden latex was the way to go yeah now it's 99 percent of all condoms worldwide are latex yes and that's a lot of condoms as we'll see yeah we have some numbers yeah should we should we talk about nicknames or not this seems a little silly to me i thought it was silly too well, let's skip it then. Okay. Maybe we should just drop them in occasionally. Okay. You know, so yeah. people know. Because <laughs> it's in here, so it's legit, right? Instead of condoms, we'll say Jimmy Hat? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Frederick Killian in 1919 came up with the latex Jimmy Hat. That's right. Uh, I guess if you don't know what a condom is at all, we should go ahead and say <clears throat> it is uh, a tube. It's a bag-like tube that the male penis fits in. It's open on one end, obviously. Right. And uh, closed on the other. 
Uh-huh. There's a little reservoir tip to collect the semen. Yep. Um, supposedly. <laughs> and um, it's got a little uh, ring around the open end, a thin rim that you uh, that you roll down upon the penis. Right. And that is a condom. And it it basically it blocks fluids from touching each other, which is how you get pregnant and how you get disease. Keeps all those fluids separate. Right. The the form of this, the uh, the basic concept of the condom hasn't changed much over the eons, but just these little advances in technology like making them latex. Latex sure. is not porous. Yes. Um, the only way something's going to get through is if there's uh, some sort of damage to it or something like that. Um, the condom's the same. What you just described has generally been in use for hundreds or thousands of years, right? Yeah, it's a barrier method. Um, these days there are... I don't think we should talk about all those standards because my eyes started to water a little bit when I was reading all those. What, the length, the width, and the thickness? No, no, no. We should talk about that. But later on, all those standards when it was just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> international codes? There are international codes governing how condoms are. are made. Well, which is good. I'm not knocking that. Sure. It's just not exciting. Um, so, yeah, these days, the length, they are at least uh, 6.3 inches, 160 millimeters. Oh, nice. Uh, well, you, you t- did the conversion. Well, I think you kind of have to say it in inches, don't you? But have you noticed that How Stuff Works articles have gone metric? Yeah, now this it's one metric and first. And the meat one, the lab grown meat one, both in, in metric. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know what to say about that. What about the width? What is the width of a condom when laid flat? 52 millimeters, which I did not convert to inches. The thickness is 0. 0.07 millimeters. That's thin. That's very thin, which, like we said, that's what you want out of a condom. You want something strong. But you don't want to ruin the sexual experience by wearing a uh, rubber glove. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or, you can or wear the, a rubber the, glove, too, just wear well. a condom as well. <laughs> and keep the rubber gloves on your hands. That's right. Uh, they powder these things with things like uh, silica and cornstarch and magnesium carbonate right. to uh, keep the latex from sticking to itself in packaging. Mm-hmm. Or they can come lubed up with either regular lube or uh, made from silicone or... Uh, spermicidal lube, which this is good to know now that I'm married, <laughs> but I wish I would have known this back then. Apparently, the spermicidal lubricants can make things worse. Specifically, nonoxanol 9. Yeah. It says that they found that when used with a condom, it doesn't really do much to kill sperm. Yeah. And even worse, uh, it can cause vaginal irritation, which can lead to uh, easier disease transmission. Yeah. So that's apparently not a good thing. To use Ninoxin all yeah. nine on your condoms. Very good to know. And that's not knocking N9 because I think that's what's also you used outside of a condom, right, as a spermicidal. Right. So it's more effective there, I guess. How about manufacturing a condom, Chuck? How it about it? It all starts. <laughs> Let's go do it. It all, <laughs> it all starts um, either in the forests of Brazil, Southeast Asia, or West Africa, mm-hmm. which is where you'll find the rubber tree, which is still to this day where latex comes from. Unless it's synthetic latex, of course. Sure. But let's say you're, you're going the natural route and um, you go to Brazil and get you some sap, which, again, sap from a uh, uh, latex or a rubber tree is latex. Yeah. Okay. So you get that. Yeah. You uh, take it back to your factory, right? That's right. Maybe in Brazil, maybe in Thailand. Who knows? Is that what they make these? Sure. Okay. I think they make them pretty close to the rubber plantations. Oh, yeah? All the pictures in this article are in, like, Thailand or Brazil or whatever, and that's where you're going to find rubber trees. Okay. 
Um, well, it, it doesn't only contain latex. You're going to probably have some other ingredients in your uh, bucket there of, of sap. Well, you, ha- you add it along the way. Yeah. Uh, antifungal and antibacterial compounds. You want to keep these things clean. Uh, zinc oxide, uh, which is accelerates the vulcanization process. Yep. Uh, stabilizers like potassium laurate. Um, sulfur, maybe, which is another vulcanizing agent. Mm-hmm. Ammonia. Anticoagulant. I didn't know that. Yeah. It keeps things from coagulating. <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, other pigments and preservatives to, you know, because you want it to have that lovely fleshy look. Right. And <laughs> strawberry flavoring. Well, we'll get to that, too. Um. So these add to the shelf life. Um, they make it harder to break down because rubber is biodegradable naturally. Right. And you don't want it to break down. That's what happened in the old days when they used these lubes. The natural rubber would just break down. Your condom wasn't worth much for long. Right. Um, and Tracy points out this is a good reason why you never want to throw a condom, used or otherwise, in a toilet. Mm-hmm. That's not how you throw a condom away because it doesn't break down. It's just going to gum things up. It's going to catch all the hair and toilet paper and all that stuff and grow bigger and bigger and just basically become this big giant condom dam in your sewer pipe. That's right. So what do you do? Uh, (laughs) You um, wrap it in tissue paper, she suggests. Wrap that tissue paper in foil. Put the foil in a um, five millimeter thick black garbage (laughs) bag and bury it in your yard. No. That's how you properly dispose of a used condom. That's not true. But she does recommend the tissue and the waste basket. Yeah, just not the toilet. No. Or if you're in New York City, just on the street or sidewalk. <laughs> we'll do just fine. You're in the back of your cab. Have you ever noticed all the condoms on the yeah, street? Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. It just It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. If you live in New York, you know about it. Or it's if like you've the Toynbee tiles or something. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, Are these people having sex in the street? I are guess. they throwing them out of the apartment? Maybe. Maybe that's what they're doing. That's gross. I know. I'm at, uh, could you imagine walking down the sidewalk after a nice dinner? I don't. Okay. Uh, All right. So you've got the liquid latex, goes in the vats, and then you've got the formers, which uh, have been around for a while, and they are glass or ceramic molds of a penis. And they're on a conveyor belt, dip it into the vat, get a turn it in circle to get a nice even coating Mm -hmm. and dry it out and then maybe a second or third dip to make sure it's thick enough. Right. And then it's uh, into the tunnel oven for vulcanization. Yeah, the tunnel of love. It has all of those, um, those, uh, the zinc oxide and the sulfur in it to help it vulcanize. Mm -hmm. So when it's exposed to heat, it becomes stronger. That's right. Right. Um, And then after that, I found this a little unsettling. Yeah. Because I just always thought of condoms as like untouched. It's like a brand new newspaper. Like you could deliver a baby with it, you know? (laughs) Um, But apparently after vulcanizing, the condoms are taken off of the formers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they are washed. Yeah. So the condom you're, you're using has been washed before. I just find that odd. I guess probably mechanically washed, right? Yeah, it says a washing machine, um, and that's to remove odor, uh, pathogens, and allergens. So it's good that they're doing this. Yeah. But I agree with you. I kind of thought it was just like, you know, it was made and packaged immediately, and then it goes on your body. Right, exactly. Not quite. So you uh, you wash it, and then there's quality testing, which is a lot of pretty cool stuff. There's some There's some cool quality tests, if you ask me. Well, let's get into it then. Well, there's a standard called zipping, popping, rolling, and other condom testing. <laughs> yeah. What you're testing for is you want to pre- prevent three things that make a condom uh, uh, ineffective. Breaking a condom, 
not good. No. Uh, slipping off, definitely not good. Right. And leaking, none of these are good because they are, uh, you know, they're not preventing the, the one thing or two things that you're trying to do, which is either pregnancy or, or some sort of socially transmitted infection. Right. Not disease. <laughs> you notice that? She does, it's not STD anymore. It's STI. Right. I didn't know that. When um, did that happen? I, maybe she just made the change herself. Oh, you think? No, I think I think uh, it's. I I don't know because maybe disease doesn't quite scientifically capture all. I'm of them. sure that's it. So yeah, I don't know when that happened, but I'll bet it was fairly recent. I bet you're right. Um, so one of the two tests that they're really looking at is you don't want it to break and you don't want it to leak, right? Yeah. So they test the condom's tensile strength. Basically, they just get a bunch of third graders in there and blow the condoms up <laughs> and see how much volume it holds until it breaks, right? Uh, yeah, they're not third graders, but that's pretty much the long and short of it. They inflate them. They stretch them. Yeah. Um, they uh, fill them with water and hang them up. Yeah. I guess these are they're testing um, either whole batches or selected condoms from the batch. Right. And, uh, yeah, they hold it, <laughs> fill it full of water and look at it. That's the that's the utter test. Is that what it's called? No. Nah. Okay. I just made it up, but I think it's good. <laughs> I bet you that's what they call it on the line. Uh, and they'll either look at it or else if they want to be slightly more scientific, they'll roll it along like water absorbent paper and see if there's any water. Yeah. Um, and there shouldn't be. Remember, again, latex condoms don't have any kind of pores. No. Um, and then there's another leak test, which is a lot more scientific, or at least it's probably yeah. funner to do. I wonder how many factories use this method. If it's like super know. modern or or what, and it's not just factories doing this. There's also like third party oh, yeah. companies that like make their money by testing condoms for yeah. factories or maybe as watchdog groups. That's true. So but, how does the electricity work? So there's a couple of different ones. There's one where they take condoms and they um they they put them atop metal rods that have been du- dipped in conductive solution. Yeah, and then they run a current over through these metal rods, and the the condoms being rubber shouldn't be conductive. Right. But if there's holes or tears or anything in them, like the current will run through the condom and then they have a computer watch to see, you know, if like any condoms had a current run through them. Right. Then the other one is where they turn the voltage up. Yeah, it's dry. It, yeah, this is a dry test. Um, and they basically like run a current again through a bunch of condoms. And if there's any holes or whatever, those condoms will like burn or melt. Yeah. I'll bet it stinks. Yeah. Burn rubbers doesn't smell good. No. Um, so th- those are the main ways that they will test uh, condoms to make sure that you're all good to go when it's go time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, slippage, however, is something they cannot test for because slippage, my friend, is up to you yeah. and how you properly or improperly use the condom. Slippage is user error. Yeah, and I'm ashamed to say that in, we're about to go over the 10 steps in how to properly use a condom. I didn't know about one of them. The circumcised step? No, well, I didn't know about that. <laughs> what is it? Well, we'll get to it. Um, so Tracy says uh, storage is where it starts. you got to store it properly. So uh, heat and light is not good. Yeah. Uh, wallets, pockets, and glove compartments. Right. In other words, everywhere a teenage boy is forced to store their condoms right. is not where you should store a condom. Yeah. You know? It's all bad. Yep. You want to keep it in a dry, um, just sort of room temperature-like atmosphere. Yes. And not at the roller rink. Look at number two. You look at the package. Make sure it's all 
you know, intact. It's not opened, and it has the expiration date. You know, you're within that range. Right. Yeah. And when you do open it, you want to open it carefully. Uh, you want to tear along the uh, one side. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a notch. Tracy points out that you don't want to open it with your teeth or pointy fingernails. Yeah. You don't want to open your teeth for a couple of reasons, but one of them is you don't want to break it. Right. Um, you want to make sure the condom is right side up? This is the one I didn't know. I didn't know that was the right side. Sure. I didn't know that. Oh, well. Um, I'm 40, almost 42 years old, and I had no idea that there was an up and a down. I know what you're talking about. Okay. The, but there is a way to tell um, what's up and what's down, and the tip, the reservoir, should be pointing up, mm-hmm. unimpeded. I had no idea. That's the that's the top, right? I'm just learning this. So you take that reservoir, mm-hmm. right, and you um, squeeze the air out of it, hold it shut, clasp it shut with your fingers, and put it over the tip of the penis. We're doing this. You realize this. We've suddenly become a sex ed podcast. Yeah. Uh, you, you miss, though. If you are uncircumcised, you want to gently pull your foreskin back to relieve the glands. Right. Okay. Which okay. is the, the tip of the penis. Right. Okay. So you put the tip, you put the condom over the tip of the penis with the reservoir squeezed shut, and then you start to unroll it. Mm-hmm. Take it, Chuck. That's number six. Um, she also pointed out if you don't have it right side up, it won't unroll correctly. That's why there's a top side and a downside, mm-hmm. which now explains a lot. Um, unroll the condom down the length of the penis all the way to the base. You've got to take it to the base. Sure. You want it. You want full protection here. Um, otherwise, because if you lo- if you use a condom perfectly, then we'll find out your chances of disease and pregnancy are virtually nil. Yeah. Problems arise is when you you know you maybe not roll it all the way down or whatever. you accidentally get a testicle caught in there. <laughs> um, if you need lube, um, use a water based lube. You don't want to. Make the mistake of using like Vaseline, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I should say petroleum jelly. Right. Or baby oil or lotions or anything like that. Anything that could have petroleum. Yeah, in. that's all oil based and that's going to not do you any favors in the uh, reliability department. Right. You want it to be water based lubricant. That's right. But um, she also points out that you w- using extra lubricant mm-hmm. uh, is effective in preventing breakage during um, anal penetration. But in vaginal penetration, it can actually increase the likelihood of breakage yeah. of the condom. I did not know that. I did not know that either. So we're learning right along with you people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have DUCs anymore. Yeah. Being married is great. Yeah. Uh, so after uh, the male ejaculates, this is post-coital ejaculation. You hope. You hope. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, you want to hold the, the rim of the condom to keep it from slipping off when you... Um, Exit the vagina and withdraw the penis uh, and and before the erection is lost. Right. You don't want to have the condom on, lose your erection while you are still uh, in mid-penetration mode. Sure. Uh, and then you want to run outdoors <laughs> to begin the disposal process, which, as we said, ends in the yard, right? That's right. Remove the condom, wrap it in a tissue, put it in a garbage can, and don't reuse it. No matter what your friend says, don't reuse it and don't wear two of them. Yeah, a lot of people um, have latex allergies, and yeah. 99% of uh, late condoms are latex. So some people say, well, latex works the best. I'll just use um, a sheepskin membrane condom mm-hmm. uh, over my penis and then put a latex one over that. Apparently, that is basically just really upping the risk of breakage of both. Yeah, or if you think, you know, 
two is better than one. I don't know where this person has been. That's just not smart. You should probably not be with that person. <laughs> if you're thinking about wearing two condoms, <laughs> yeah. just walk away from the bowling alley and go home. Yeah. Or the roller rink again. Yeah. Uh, and Tracy also points out for our uh, younger listeners, condoms break more often if they're blown up or filled with water before use. Yeah. So don't use it as a toy and then use it as a you know disease preventer. Right. And if it breaks, stop what you're doing. Get a new one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one because you don't want to be like, ah, oh, well, I I went through the first couple steps doing it, it was fine. And, yeah, yeah, no. And you know, if you're serious about this, then what you're trying to do is prevent pregnancy or, or infection. You're going to want to replace it. Like it's worth if you used it in the first place, then you might as well stop for a second and sure. get another one. Right. You know? All right. Um, don't be a jerk. I guess is what you're saying. Seriously, um, what, what, you're trying to prevent, like you said, pregnancy. Most people are when they use condoms. Yeah. Or um, more than 30 types of uh, viruses or bacterial infections or parasites, right? Yeah, sex is dirty business. It certainly can be. I, I think this proves that um, there is a God. <laughs> Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. All right, so you know all those diseases and bacteria for the most part. Do we need to go over those? Sure. Chlamydia. Uh, genital herpes, genital warts, gonorrhea, hepatitis B, HIV, of course, uh, pubic lice, um, syphilis, trichomoniasis, yeah. yeast infections. These and many more can all be yours if you don't use a condom and you sleep with somebody who has any of them. Yes, and uh, genital warts and herpes and pubic lice and a few other STIs can still be yours even if you do use a condom because they are not passed through the fluids, they are passed through skin and hair and other stuff down there in that area. Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, how effective are, co- are condoms? Like you said, <clears throat> when when you use them correctly, they work. Like they've been proven to work. Like we have come to the pinnacle of male um, prophylaxis. 
yes. with the latex condom. Like That's it right. totally works. If you use it correctly and you use it every time, you're going to be fine. Uh, and they know this by um, by doing studies mm-hmm. of specifically serodiscordant um, couples, which means one couple has HIV and uh, or one one person in the couple has HIV, the other partner doesn't. That's right. And they found that people who used the condom correctly every time they had sex had pretty much a nil chance or Z chance of um, contracting HIV by the end of this study. Yeah, that's a two-year period yeah. of these couples. So that there's you know a lot of sex going on. It wasn't just like, hey, you had sex one time and you didn't get HIV. Right. That's great. Right. So a good, good study from UNAIDS or uh, UNAIDS. Right. <laughs> Which that makes sense. UNAIDS, like they're fighting AIDS. They should be called unaids. Is this United Nation though? Yeah. Okay. Um, and they found though that couples that that didn't use them all the time, just kind of here or there, mm-hmm. had a fourteen to twenty one percent chance of um, contracting HIV during the study. Yeah, and uh, pregnancy prevention is pretty similar um, over the course of the year. And of course, I don't see any ages or anything like that here. It just says a woman, but a woman using a condom over the course of a year who uses it perfectly. For every act of sexual intercourse with a man, right. has only a three percent chance of becoming pregnant. So ninety-seven percent uh, effective. That's pretty good. Sure. Um, if you use uh, a condom typically, which is apparently not that great, not that well, <laughs> um, and you're a woman, you have a twelve percent chance of an unplanned pregnancy. But both of those beat not using anything at all. Yeah which leads to an 85% chance of getting pregnant over the course of a year. Yeah. Just by having sex. And right. yeah, it doesn't say how many men or anything like that. No. How many trips to the roller rink this entails. <laughs> so uh, what year is it? <laughs> so there's still a lot of roller rink sex going on. What got me started was the idea of like a condom like in your pocket. Sure. Remember the, the condom ring in the jeans or in your wallet or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I just associate that with the roller rink. Yeah. And like kids with like half mustaches right. and like mullets and stuff like that. <laughs> so that that's, that's where the roller rink reference came from. All right. So um, some folks say that, you know what, if you make condoms available to my teenager, it's going to encourage them to have sex. Um, studies suggest that that is not the case. Um, this one study observed over 4,000 teenagers over an eight-year period, which is a pretty good study, if you ask me. Uh, by the end of the study... All of the participants were sexually active, mm-hmm. and the teenagers who used condoms during their first sexual encounter were not more likely to have more partners than those who did not. But the condom-using teens were uh, less likely to have been diagnosed with gonorrhea or chlamydia. Yep. So this study at least points out that it's not going to encourage promiscuity, but it will keep you from getting pregnant and disease. Yeah. I think... Um being in your teens encourages promiscuity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of the whole argument. It's like, are they going to do it anyway? And if they are, then make sure they have plenty of condoms. Then other people say, well, no, yeah. they're not going to do it anyway. They just need to abstain. And condoms are like the devil's temptation. I'm ready for, for humanity to evolve more in that realm. Like, it made sense for, for 18-year-old males to be at, like, their peak of sexual prowess and girls being able to get pregnant when they were 14, mm-hmm. you know, 300 years ago right. when we were living to 30 years old. It made sense. 
These days, it's just like a cruel joke. Well, you know, what's interesting is we're actually going the other direction. Like, puberty really? is coming younger and younger. God, the, the, average, the average boy enters puberty, and I don't, that, this doesn't mean sexual maturation, but mm-hmm. begins puberty at like age seven or eight now. That's crazy. And see, yeah. nowadays people are getting, well, not everyone, but people are waiting longer in general to get married right. and have a family, and it's getting harder and harder uh, for older people to get pregnant, much less the man who is, you know, starts the decline after 18 years old. Right. You get married in your mid 30s, it's like, Sorry, you know, my best days were were wasted. Right. Well, which is ironic because by that time you can grow a decent mustache. I know. Right? You know. <laughs> All right. So um, there's this whole thing associated with condoms. They are uh, a unique breed of product. You know. Yeah. If you look at them as a, a commodity, as a, a, a retail product, mm-hmm. uh, then they should be the same as um, candy or a toy or you know what have you. But something that these um, these other products lack is mm-hmm. what's called social marketing, which is w- what makes condoms virtually unique. There is a there is a great public interest in condoms being purchased and distributed and easily gotten yeah. by everybody in the world. True. Uh, whether it's for population control, mm-hmm. which is pretty sinister sounding, um, or uh, through disease prevention. Yeah. But governments around the world invest heavily in condoms. And by doing that, they basically just buy a bunch of condoms and turn around and sell them at a discount. Yeah, it's called social marketing. And the, the idea is that if they don't want to make them free, although you you know there are plenty of places that give out condoms, sure. um, but they want to make them very cheap for those who can't afford them because the idea is that if you pay for something, you're more likely to use it. Right. Uh, sort of like the uh, co-ed model. These kids who pay for their textbooks, mm-hmm. instead of just giving them textbooks, they're more likely to use it. So I don't know why I made that connection, but it's sort no, of the same thing. It, well, it is. It's the exact same principle. You um, you have some sort of ownership over something you've paid for. Yeah. And uh, Tracy said the rule of thumb is that a year's supply of condoms should cost no more than 1% of the target country's per capita gross national product. And I don't think that's just Tracy saying that either. Well, no, she didn't make that up. <laughs> so um, there's... Uh, the other aspect of it, there's buy, part of, one part of social marketing is buying condoms and distributing them for cheap. Yeah. Um, and this is like federal government. Sure. National government level stuff. Uh, and then the other side of it is educating the public. Yeah, you got to wear them. Yeah, and you, you have to know how to wear them. Mm-hmm. We could probably get some federal funding for this episode if you ask me. Yeah, how about a little kickback? Uh, you have to know how to wear them. You have to know what they do. You have to know why, to wear, why you should wear them. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be able to explain it in plain, simple terms to anybody who un- who who is riding a bus that if they don't wear a condom, they can die, yeah. or their junk can fall off, or there's all sorts of terrible stuff that can happen to you if you don't wear a condom, right? Yeah, and uh, it's been pretty successful in countries like Thailand where they have a, a big commercial sex industry. Um, in 1989, they started a campaign for commercial sex workers to use condoms 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Always use them. Yeah. And pretty amazing results. Um, in 1989, before the campaign, 14% of the sex workers had uh, consistently used condoms. By 1994, just five years later, 94% used condoms. And uh, not coincidentally, um, STI cases diagnosed among sex workers fell from four, over 400,000 per year to just under 30,000 per year. Right. That's a huge, huge drop-off. Yeah. 
Just and, use the condom. That's all you got to do. And the the rest of the world watched Thailand. Their jaws fell open, so they started buying condoms like crazy. So, like in two thousand, for example, um, South Africa bought two hundred and fifty million condoms. Two ninety. Two ninety. Two hundred ninety million condoms. Uh, Botswana purchased twelve million. Um, four hundred and fifty million condoms in India. And these are the places where you know they need to use condoms. Like you need to use them everywhere, but places that are have places like Africa and and India are like in Thailand. Obviously, you need to use the condoms. Why? To prevent disease and to prevent pregnancy. Right, but why? I mean, you'd you'd want to do that anywhere. Well, that's what I said. But places that are overpopulated and people are dying because they're starving. Oh yeah. And where disease is rampant in villages, it's a little more important than uh other places, I would say. I think that's probably kind of a controversial statement though among people who don't feel like you should be using condoms, you know, that that's government carrying out population control. Uh is it? I don't know. I I don't know. I I I think on its face, yeah, it definitely is. The government's very interested in like not Having a starving population, and one way to yeah. do that, it's a control population. But is that a bad thing? Like, do if people are willing to use condoms when they have them mm-hmm. handy, um, then you know why wouldn't you want to provide that to them? Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go defend that till my dying breath. Good for you, man. Yeah. Um. So this is um this is a ton of condoms we're talking about. That was just two thousand, right? Many tons of condoms, right? <laughs> Apparently, the condom industry, which is just loving this social marketing stuff, mm-hmm. um, is producing uh, between 8 and 12 billion condoms a year, right? Uh, apparently, we would need 15 billion to effectively cover everybody for a year. Yeah. Uh, every, everybody is sexually active. You would need 15 billion condoms. So they're close, but not close enough. Right. That means everybody in the world... Does it more than twice in a year? Because there's like six billion people on the planet, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, if you want to average it out like that, right? I think a lot of people aren't, and a lot of people are doing it more, right? But sure, if you want to throw an average on it, um, the thing is, is that so we're we're short of condoms, which is mind-boggling. There's only sixty factories on the planet making condoms for the whole world. Yeah. So when you look at it like that, it's pretty impressive. But apparently, the condom industry is stepping up the call. And by 2015, is projected to have to produce 25 billion condoms. There you go. Uh, for uh, that's a six billion dollar industry. That's good. But what's crazy is that's a six billion dollar industry. Los Angeles County from porn makes one sixth of the equivalent of the entire condom industry's money in porn. In just porn. Yeah. In just that one county. Yeah. See how everything's connected. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Uh, <clears throat> so here in the United States, uh, the FDA controls something called good manufacturing practices, mm-hmm. uh, rules and standards for making drugs and things like condoms. So the FDA is, is, uh, has standards. Uh, there are also international standards, the International Organization for Standardization. Um, they have their own standards that cover these medical devices. And they have silly numbers attached to them, but that really means nothing to anyone, does it? Well, in case you ever wanted to know, ISO 4074-2002 is the international standard for condom manufacture Mm -hmm. and distribution. That's right. And we're talking about standards. We're talking about 
uh, acceptable levels of condoms that are defective per batch. Um, accredited- <laughs> I would imagine the average consumer is like, uh, zero. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, accreditation for labs uh, that test these, uh, procedures, uh, materials, shelf life, stability. They're just making sure all that is up to snuff. Yep. Um, and again, as we said, there the the standards are in this manual called zapping, popping, rolling, and other condom <laughs> testing tools. Is that bear repeating? Yeah. Um, condoms uh, used to be, they're a little more acceptable to buy these days. Shouldn't be embarrassed to walk into your grocery store and buy condoms. Said the 41-year-old. Exactly. But it's not that way for everyone. It's not that way for every group because uh, they are taboo um, in some religions. Um, Catholicism, uh, famously, mm-hmm. does not allow the use of contraception. Uh, Orthodox uh, Judaism. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Islam does allow it if you are married heterosexuals. Hetero? Heterosexuals. <laughs> Elmer Fudd. <laughs> and you have reason to prevent pregnancy. And then... Um, Conservative Christian groups have long uh, promoted abstinence rather than the use of condoms and sometimes even fought the education and distribution of condoms Mm -hmm. for reasons we said earlier, like they think it makes their children promiscuous. Yeah. And they will want to have sex because they now have this condom that is the key to them wanting to have sex. Right. And it's not up to the government to carry out population control. Exactly. Um 1988 uh, in Nevada, it has been mandatory to use condoms if you are in a brothel. Yeah. So highly regulated um, sex industry there in Nevada. 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 Excuse me. So, Josh, who uses condoms? Uh, everybody who can get their hands on them apparently uses condoms. Um, the U.N. says that two-thirds of the world has uh, ready and available access, ready and easy access to condoms, right? Yeah. And they actually created a definition. You have to. God love the UN, you know? Ready and easy access to condoms mean you you have to spend less than two hours a month buying condoms. So I guess like taking a a bus into town or something like that. Yeah, if you live in the middle of nowhere in Africa, it might take a while to get a condom. So this distribution net of condoms needs to be pretty pretty wide, pretty um, woven, well woven. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, you also... Don't want to pay uh, more than one uh, percent of a person's monthly take-home pay wherever they live. That's right. So when the UN is and the world is trying to distribute these and make them available, those are the criteria they look for as far as like what they're going to charge people, maybe in one of these uh, less developed countries. Right. Um, and they, we found that uh, because of efforts like this, condom use around the world has increased. Apparently, prior to the eighties. Evaluations of condom usage has just been like married couples. I, I don't understand why. I don't know. Um, apparently, things were there was maybe tawdry or something. Who maybe. knows? But um, the Brits went ahead and did a survey in 1950 and found that um, for their first sexual encounter, 30% of men and women used a, a condom. Uh, by 1990, about 60% did. Right. Yeah. So there was definite increase in condoms, condom usage. Um, they found that people who live with their partners typically use condoms less. Yeah. Um, people kind of who makes sense, I guess. The older you are, the less you would, the less uh, likely you would be to use condoms. Yeah. Probably again because you're in a long-term monogamous relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, people with latex allergies 
tend to not use condoms. Yeah, and the, the, these were studies from uh, Europe mainly, but I imagine it's pretty similar in other parts of the world. Yeah, but hearteningly, people um, in Netherlands, France, Belgium, and Britain, fa- they found that the more partners a person had, the more likely they were to use condoms. To use a Jimmy hat? <laughs> a French letter. <laughs> French letter? I don't even know what that one is. All right, there are female condoms um, that are uh, fairly new. Um when did they come around? 1992. 19, yeah, 1992 in Switzerland. Approved here in the United States in 93. And uh, it is a um, polyurethane sheath, sort of like the male condom, except it's just it's got two rings, uh, one on either end, one a little smaller on one end. And that it fits in the woman's vagina, and it sort of is just like a reverse of what the male condom is. Right. Um, they, the, some of the benefits is a woman can put this in, um, beforehand, whereas a man obviously has has to be go time, has to have the erect penis. Right, exactly. Like the woman can insert this any time. Any time. Um, well, I'm sure there are, you know, recommendations for how long that you you use this thing as well. Sure. Um, but it is another barrier method that protects against HIV and pregnancy. And um, they tend to be reusable. Yep, because it's polyurethane. You can use oil based uh, lubricants. Yep. Um, and also in, in places where it's difficult or impossible because of social norms for a woman to insist that uh, the guy wear a condom, um, th- this is very useful because it's it's giving control of who uses the condom when yeah. to the woman. True. Um, it is more expensive, which is one of the disadvantages, and um, that could lead some people in developing nations to wash it and reuse it, which is not recommended. Um, and apparently in, in trials, clinical trials, it's slightly less effective at preventing pregnancy and STIs than male condoms, but it's way, way, way better than nothing, obviously. Sure. Um, what else do we have? We have, uh, spray on condoms. Yeah. Sort of. Not yet. They're in, they're still being toyed with, apparently. Yeah. They, um, this guy named, uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Krauss. He's a sex educator from Germany, um, and he apparently had trouble finding condoms that fit him uh, when he was younger, a younger man. He's 30 now. I get the idea that he was small. Oh, I got the idea, the opposite idea. I don't know, because later in the article he talked about being small and, like, I want to make condoms for smaller guys because... Oh, I I missed that part. Yeah. Um well, it's it, funny. His new idea is to have a range of sizes, like six sizes. The the market's wide open for small condoms. Apparently, Trojan yeah. tried it a few years ago and like discontinued them almost immediately because they didn't sell any condoms for the smaller man or something, right? Yeah. Although Magnum condoms like have seventeen percent of the market share, they're like fifteen percent bigger than normal condoms. Yeah, and and Krauss's uh, his theory is that guys that are smaller don't want to walk into a store and buy the small condoms. Right. So he wants to, I mean, he's he's working on the spray-on condom, but he's also working on different sizes that I think are a little more, um, the packaging is a little less obvious, you know? It's not like you don't walk up and buy, like, the teeny-weeny. Well, he, he originally... <laughs> you know, I think he wants to make it a little more clandestine. Well, he originally set up this website, which is pretty cool, um, where you can download this uh, measuring tape that you print out and use, 
and then you enter in your dimensions in the website, and it brings up uh, all of the condoms for sale in Germany yeah. that are likeliest to fit you best. This is pretty cool. Yeah. But now he's created the spray-on condom. Yeah, here's how this thing works. You put your penis in a tube, and it sprays from many different directions the condom, latex, onto your penis, mm-hmm. your erect penis. Right. And um, then it has to dry, which is one of the problems. It, it hisses when it sprays. So some dudes are worried that that might ruin the mood. Um, some guys were a little worried about putting their penis in this tube, period. Sure, sure. And then um, liquid latex takes about two to three minutes to vulcanize. And in order for people to buy these things, he thinks it's going to have to be ready in like five to ten seconds. Sure. Because so it's like you better yeah. learn how to juggle or something to like <laughs> you know, keep the interest going for those couple minutes. Is that what does it? Juggling? Juggling or, I don't know, maybe making an omelet. And then there are the anti-rape condoms, which are controversial. To say the least. Oh, yeah. A South African doctor came up with these, and they are like the female condom, but it's also like, um, a, I hate to say it, but like the closest analogy is like a Chinese finger trap. Yeah. Like the, once the totally. penis goes in, there's these plastic teeth that hold it in place, mm-hmm. and only a doctor can remove this basically giant female condom that's now attached to your penis. And the reason she came up with this was because rape in South Africa is um, out of control. Some survey from 2009 found that one in four South African men admit to raping a woman and that they think possibly 1.4 million women are raped in South Africa every year. That's the population of Phoenix. Unbelievable. So this woman came up with this. It's basically like the female condom that will immediately inflict pain uh, on the rapist. The woman can, I guess, get away but the man's stuck with this on, right? and he has to go to the emergency room where hopefully the police will be there to arrest him. Well, the woman doesn't necessarily get away, which is one of the pitfalls that she admits to. It could encourage a, a violence against the woman yeah. in the moment. Um, and uh, another person from the CDC uh, says that it's also a form of enslavement. It's um, a, a constant reminder of a woman's vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and it gives them also a false sense of security, but the psychological trauma of the rape is still there, but at least you're going to catch the guy is, yeah. is their rationale. And um, when people say that, have told her this is a medieval thing that you're coming up with, she says, so is rape. So yeah. put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> yeah, and that thing's called the Rape Axe, R-A-P hyphen A-X-E, and I believe it's rapeaxe.com maybe or something that uh, takes you to the website. But if you type in Rape Axe into your um, search browser, that's going to bring that up. Great. Uh, what else, Chuck? I don't have anything else. You don't want to talk about the goat condom? <laughs> <laughs> that's population control, man. All right, let's talk about it. Like We are goats to some people. There's a something called an olor that um, it's basically this impediment that hangs from the abdomen of a male goat that keeps him from, um, it's a barrier to prevent him from penetrating the female during intercourse, right? Yep. And uh, they use this to control goat populations so that they don't starve. Sound familiar? And it's not a, you know, it's not something that goes on the penis. I think it's just a a physical barrier. Right. That just uh, like a, a male goat chastity belt. That the goat knocks into. 
called an Olar. Yeah. So thank thank God for that. Yeah. This it's good though. I'm I'm I crack wise, but sure. It's so better than starving goats. That is uh, condoms. Well done. Well done to you too. Not much giggling. I wonder how many times we said penis. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch. More than we ever have in a conversation, I would say. <laughs> I would say that's probably <laughs> fairly accurate. I wonder if we topped that Saturday Night Live skits use of penis, remember, at the nudist camp? Oh, yeah. With Kevin Nealon and uh, Mike Myers. And, hey, hey, nice, nice penis. penis. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Uh, let's see. If you want to know more about condoms, you can find this uh, very thorough, comprehensive article on the subject by typing condom into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, you can also type in sex and reproduction, and it'll bring up a lot of uh, really good, uh, well-written, well-researched articles that will probably answer a lot of questions you might have about that kind of thing. Yeah, I think we should start peppering these throughout, do a little more sex ed here and there. Okay. it's good. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time, it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Um, if you, well, since we said sex ed, since Chuck <laughs> said sex ed, you, you know what that means. You know what that means. It's time for listener mail. All right. Um, I'm going to call this a uh, music uh, experiment. Um, you guys are awesome. Been listening since about 2010. Just listened to Why Does Music Provoke Emotion? Thought I would share an experiment that I did. A few years ago, I came up with the idea of listening to my music in sequential order by year of release. Oh, I remember this guy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't have his name, though. I feel awful. Um, I started dividing it up by five years, and each five-year period took about one and a half to two weeks. So he's basically only listening to that era in order, one at a time. Right. So, like, the fifth week of September 1962, which never existed. (laughs) Like that? Well... Just in order, like I'm listening to the 1950s music for this week. So the whole thing uh, ended up taking about three and a half months, which is much longer than I planned. I'm a big music guy, and I started uh, at around pre-1950s. I should note that while I did this, I did my best to isolate myself musically, avoided listening to anything else that wasn't from that period that I was in that week. It's kind of cool. It ended up being one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in a long time. 
aside from noticing many new things and songs that I had listened to countless times before, I feel like I began forming a connection with the time period of the music I was listening to. <laughs> even Long when story I wasn't short, alive. I'm yeah. wearing a poodle skirt right now. <laughs> At times I could almost feel the angst or even excitement of events long past as if I had lived them. Uh, events that weren't necessarily mentioned or addressed in the songs themselves. By the time I was done, I felt like I had traveled through time. <laughs> I had a strange connection with events I'd never experienced except through the music that was popular at the time of those events. Many things that didn't make much sense to me musically all of a sudden had a different significance. Oh, that's cool. So thanks for the work, guys. Uh, it definitely makes my drive to work a much more enjoyable. Uh, thanks again, and I wish I had your name. We'll, we'll read it if you send it in. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So sorry, Gary or Billy or Johnny or Fred. Cole. Cole. Um, let's see. We don't want people's condom stories, do we? Yeah, uh, we do. Do we? Of course we do. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Well, then you ask for it. Guys, we want your condom stories. Ladies, we want your condom stories. Okay. If, if you live in New York City and you can explain. That's a good one. The condoms on the street and that sidewalk. That's a great one. Although, what's there to explain, really? Well, I mean, where do they come from? Maybe they're coming up from the sewer. When, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe they are. Or or maybe they're being tossed out of cabs. Maybe they're from the roller rink. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us a good old-fashioned email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. <laughs> For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com.